prayers. So last uh, Sunday evening, we started to look at uh, Exodus chapter 4 in some detail. And so the first 17 verses of chapter 4 are basically uh, Moses is writing this, uh, and as he writes this, he is recounting his, uh, his objections, which uh, began back in chapter 3 and verse 11, carries through, of course, that it's there. But uh, he's very much like Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. He doubts God. He questions God. He's trying to deflect what God has truly said. I read this week, um, there's a little article in Table Talk Magazine, which is a great little magazine put out by Ligonier Ministry, and they do it every month. And this month's uh, theme is uh, on the last times, last themes in the Bible, last time events in the Bible. And I read with interest uh, a little article in there about the Antichrist. And this gentleman that wrote it mentioned that the Antichrist are found all the way through the Bible. In fact, the first Antichrist is the antitype Satan. And we see him first in Genesis chapter 3. So as Adam and Eve were created in the image of God, the antitype wants to, de to destroy that image. That's what anti-Christ means. The element of Satan or the antichrist contained in the word of God, because John speaks to it specifically in his epistle, but the element of this is a destruction of the image of God. So I think we see that today, do we not? We see quite a bit of it, as a matter of fact, the destruction of the image of God. And so what Moses is doing here is he is attempting to take a, a sideline around his image. God has given him certain responsibility, and he's called him. He said, I'm going to equip you to do this. And then Moses starts to, to whine about certain things that are taking place. So we covered the first nine verses last Sunday evening. Let's pick up with verse 10 tonight. And he offers another excuse. Moses said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, uh, neither before you since, uh, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So he offers another excuse, and perhaps this was legitimate, although we'll see here in just a minute. And maybe he was hiding something. But uh, he continues with an excuse that he stutters and he stammers. He doesn't have a good physical presence uh, or speaking presence before congregations of people. Next slide, if you would, brother. I could get the little control, but I'm lazy. He, he distrusted his own capabilities and sometimes we do that, don't we? And we come to people and we say, well, you can do this better than I can. That's not because we distrust, so we're just trying to get others to make, uh, to, in some cases, do the work for him. And we find that we'll find this out as we move through here. But he didn't 
cast his cares on the Lord. And he didn't understand that the Lord would set aside his own weaknesses. So again, he's trying to, he's trying to, to keep from having, and he knew that it was an awesome responsibility, so he's trying to sidestep this responsibility. And he says, he requests from the Lord, I, won't, I don't want to do this. I, you, isn't there someone else that can do this? Um, and when we begin to question God, we, we talk about the justice of God. And a lot of people today talk about God being unjust, the God of the Bible being unjust. But the, th the, the, the plain fact of the matter is that we do God an injustice when we begin to question the image that he has made us in and the capabilities that he has given to us. What Moses was not remembering just a few short minutes ago, maybe a few short hours ago, he had seen the burning bush and he's speaking back and forth to the burning bush now. So he is, he is in the forefront of a miracle that's taking place and yet he's doubting what God, the capability God has to work in and through him. And so, if you would, look at verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you will say. One of the things that we must always remember, we see this in the life of Peter as we uh, broach his, his, uh, his epistles on Sunday morning, that the Lord knows the inadequacies that we have. So if indeed Moses did stutter and stammer, the Lord knew that. This was no surprise to him. Now, there's an interesting verse in Acts 7, so let's go there. Acts chapter 7. <clears throat> this is Stephen. It's uh, the longest sermon in the Bible outside uh, the Sermon on the Mount and the Olivet Discourse. Um, and it's an entire chapter. And look, if you would, at verse 17. But when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. This man dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they may not live. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And here's the verse. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. So there's a disconnect here somewhere. And we don't want to accuse Moses of lying, but perhaps he was shading the truth. And the Lord knew that. 
So the Lord indeed chose Moses as, a, as his ambassador, and he could have, had he wanted, corrected Moses' supposedly stammering tongue. So remember that. The word slow of speech literally means heavy of mouth. It means it takes time to think about what you're saying, uh, think about what you're going to say, and then to say it. Well, Moses did not, <laughs> the book of Acts says, he was gifted in the ability to speak. And we find this throughout the Exodus. In fact, we'll see it a number of times through the Exodus. Okay, next slide if you would, Matt. So there is some thought that the years of eloquence that Stephen is speaking of in Acts chapter 7 maybe ended after he killed the Egyptian and made his way to, uh, to the backside of the desert. Um, and that it had been quite a bit of time because he was speaking to his family. And, and Jethro had a fairly large family, and uh, a fairly wealthy man, so he would have had some uh, opportunity there. But uh, we do know that he spent a great deal of time shepherding, and so maybe he's referring to his uh, just speaking to, uh, to sheep. We don't know. But in any event, his self-confidence is gone. A prince of Egypt, and what we see, of course, is that, that self-confidence, the loss of self-confidence sometimes in the face of what God's called us to do is a good thing. And we know that because Paul wrote Philippians chapter 3 in the first four verses. So let's go there. Philippians chapter 3. Gordon and Mike are going to be teaching uh, Philippians in our Sunday school class when we finish the book of Ezekiel. It's a remarkable book. Let's see what Paul has to say. Finally, my brethren, verse 1. Rejoice in the Lord, for me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained in me, these I counted loss for Christ. So self-confidence or confidence in our ability without the nature of God leading us is a dangerous thing. A lot can be done in self-confidence. A lot of teaching can be done. A lot of preaching can be done. A lot of singing can be done. A lot of things can be done in self-confidence. But we need to guide that and gird that by the Spirit of God. So Moses is certainly not um, without, he's certainly not without excuse, but he's certainly not without blame in this passage of Scripture either. Um, but the Lord calls him nonetheless. So if you were to take this and look at it literally, we would understand the second bullet. Thus Moses' complaint was not in defective articulation. 
but in his inability to take the command of the Hebrew and Egyptian language. In fact, if we were to go to Ezekiel chapter 3, we would find that Ezekiel had difficulty with the uh, Babylonian, with the uh, Assyrian and Babylonian language as well. And this phrase that we're talking about, or what Moses uses literally means heavy of tongue, it can be translated difficulty with a foreign language. Um, in high school, I took French, took some Greek. I can't speak either. I can, uh, in French, I can say, what's, what's the phrase? Omelette du fromage. So if I go into a French restaurant, I can order a cheese omelette. That's what that is. Omelette du fromage. Fromage is cheese. And of course, as in all languages, English is such an easy language, right? It is not an English an easy language. But a lot of the European languages, the, the, uh, uh, the adjectives follow the nouns rather than perceive the nouns. And so maybe he was having difficulty in the way the language was set up. Uh, be that as it may, the Lord says, who made the mouth? You're forgetting you're made in my image. Who made your mouth? And his, his belief that he did not have, that he was not eloquent is, is primarily beside the point. Had nothing to do with what God had called him to do. God had already told him, I'm going to equip you to stand before not only the Hebrew people, but Pharaoh as well. Uh, and certainly Moses probably had in his early years, he certainly was a, an eloquent man. It had been years that he, since he had spoken uh, Egyptian, no doubt. And then the, the uh, verse that is, or in this verse, is the point that we brought out last Sunday evening. The Lord said, who makes man's mouth? And then he says, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? And we struggle with that. We, we think, uh, I think of this young man we've been talking about, 23 years of age. So many of you have had cancers, thankfully. Uh, most of our folks here have been uh, healed of that, and that's a wonderful thing. But we forget that this statement reflects the sovereignty of God over man. It's not the other way around. We want in our life to have sovereignty over God. It's not that way. It's the sovereignty of God over man. And so God revealed it in the context of trusting himself and working in and through Moses. So understand that. We see that in the Gospels so often. Jesus did not heal everyone he came in contact with because it had to do with the sovereignty of God over man. Could he? Yes. But that was not why he was incarnate. And so in our day and age, our thoughts are everyone should be, as I said this morning, healthy, wealthy, and wise. But that's not in God's plan. Next slide. <clears throat> uh, 
and there's no fatalism. A lot of times we, we confuse the sovereignty of God with fatalism. There's nothing we can do. That's, that's not what is, you don't understand biblical sovereignty if you think that. The scripture never indicates that God is so mighty that we can't do anything. He is calling Moses to do something. The Bible never says that. Again, in God's image. And what we do is we make that an antitype. Well, I can't do it because, you know, God is so great. God is so mighty, he can work through us if we make ourselves available. We totally confuse what the Bible teaches about God's greatness, about God's providence. And he says, we, I make the mute, I make the deaf, I make the blind. And some think this is cruel of God, but there's no cruelness in it. There's nothing but kindness and goodness. And the point here, again, is not to analyze the origin of evil. We know basically where they came from, from the book of Genesis, and it's carried all the way through the Bible. It is prevalent today in a world of over 8 billion people. So it's to show us that God can call even the mute, the deaf, and the blind to do his work. Jesus said, if these don't, on, on Palm Sunday, if these don't stop crying out, the stones will. So all of this plays out in God's marvelous, marvelous desire for his image to follow his direction. So again, Moses perceived inadequacies, inadequacies. None of us are good at everything. Some of us are good at a lot of things. Some of, us, some of us are good at a few things, but nobody is good at everything. And so they, we will play up quite often our inadequacies. This is something I can't do and so forth. And, and at times there are things that we can't do or we don't do well. But the things that we do and can do well, God can use those. And even when they are not done well, they are done in his grace and his power in his spirit. And so the question, I'll ask you the question, if Moses was a poor speaker, do you think this was news to God? Do you think this is something that the Lord said, oh, I didn't know you couldn't speak, Moses? Or no. Does God have trouble keeping track of who is deaf or who is blind or who is mute? Does he, keep, does he have trouble keeping track of who has cancer or heart disease or any of the myriad of diseases here on earth? No. None of this is lost on him. So the summary of this is, does Moses really think God made a mistake? And sometimes do we think that God made a mistake? Sometimes we do. Let's be honest. Sometimes we do. And that's where we become the antitype of the image of God. God wants our image to be, or his image rather, to be reflected in us in everything that we do. 
Let's see. Next slide, brother. I think this will be the last one we cover this evening. Yeah. The Lord had already talked to this. Therefore, go and I will be with your mouth. Verse 12, teach you what you will say. Uh, if he was a poor speaker, and if you're a poor speaker, whatever, none of this really matters. If God calls us, he equips us. He gives us the ability, provides it for that specific purpose. And he had already told Moses, I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to teach you what to say. You're not going to have to make this up, Moses. You're not going to have to struggle with the words. I'm going to teach you what you say, what you will say. So from this, God was uh, sufficient for Moses and God's sufficient for us. His sufficiency never lacks. And that uh, he takes into account any of the inadequacies that we have and if he determines that he's not going to use those inadequacies, that's fine. And if he determines that he is, that's fine too. Because he, he's God that makes no mistake. So um, let's, I'm going to read 13 through 17. We'll, we'll just kind of cover this one slide and we'll come back next week. Uh, and Moses continues to uh, uh, offer excuses. But he said, Oh, my Lord, Please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Uh, I really don't want to do this. But, verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? Now, this is one of the first times the word Levite is used in the book of Exodus. Moses is from the tribe of Levi, tells us that in the first first few verses of chapter 2, but here Aaron is specifically referred to as Aaron the Levite. We've covered some of that history over the past couple of Sunday mornings. So this is an interesting thing. Now the Lord knows what obviously what he's doing, but the choice of Aaron to be one of the spokesmen, Moses was spokesman as well, but the choice of Aaron was, became a thorn in Moses' side. Aaron was not one that walked close to the Lord. He certainly wasn't the man that Moses was. And so what the Lord is suggesting is, okay, you say that you've got a problem, and then he said, uh, I'm going to give you Aaron, your brother. I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you think Aaron wanted to hear that? Probably not. You shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. So these excuses really demonstrate the state of his heart. When God calls us to do something and we begin to push back for whatever reason, these excuses really show the state of our heart. If we understand that the Lord is in it 
and that the Lord is calling us. Moses is saying, I really don't want to do this. And, you know, Lord, is this your final offer? And he really wanted God to send someone else. And his problem wasn't a lack of ability. It was a lack of willingness. And we fight this our entire Christian life. The will. The will. We learn so much from our Savior, don't we? Uh, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I don't think any of us have faced the death that Christ faced. And knowing the way most people pass today, most of us will not face that type of death. And yet, we and Moses often make excuses for things that we really are capable of doing because we just don't want to do them. We don't, want, we don't have the willingness. So that's one of the takeaways here from the lesson tonight. Franklin said, Benjamin Franklin, Franklin was not, as far as we know, was not a believer. Uh, he was a deist. Uh, but uh, he said, it's common for men to give pretended reasons instead of one real one. We make things up. That's basically what an excuse is. Uh, he says pretended reasons, but you could say it's common for men to give excuses instead of uh, doing what we need to do at the particular time. You see this with children, don't you? See it with your children, see it with your grandchildren, see it in yourself. And we see it in Moses. As great a man as he would become, and he would become a great man, uh, we see early on his unwillingness to do what the Lord had called him to do. The Lord gave him Aaron. Aaron ten, turns out to be quite a thorn in Moses' side, and we'll see that as we go through the book of Exodus. Any comments or questions on what we've covered this evening? Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity we have to be in your house. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the willingness of Moses many years later to record this particular conversation that uh, was undertaken when you called him to lead the Hebrew people. We know, Father, that it was not uh, easy for him to write about his sin in this matter, but still he was honest and he recorded what had taken place. And we praise you that Moses became one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. We ask, Lord Jesus, that you would abide and be with every family, every couple, every individual that's here as we depart this place tonight and teach us and give us, provide to us a willing heart to do what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.